Today on episode number 238, Chao Shu Zheng talks about connecting with students inside and outside the classroom. Produced by Innovate Learning, maximizing human potential. Hello, and welcome to this episode of Teaching in Higher Ed. I'm Bonnie Stahoviak, and this is the space where we explore the art and science of being more effective at facilitating learning. We also share ways to improve our productivity approaches so we can have more peace in our lives and be even more present for our students. If you've been listening to Teaching in Higher Ed for a while, you notice that I have a partnership now with the Cal State University System where I've been profiling some of their innovation in teaching award winners, and today's episode does the same. And we are today getting the opportunity to learn about the teaching of Chaosheng Zhang, and he practices to improve student success and degree completion using technologies that students use daily. And he redesigned a course that had low success rates and also, as you'll hear, low attendance by developing strategies using mobile technology. He also reinvented the way he thinks and holds office hours, which we will discuss in the interview, and developed an app and a whole series of videos and curriculum that students can use outside the classroom. He wants to really think about how to facilitate laboratory experiments. And as you'll hear in the interview, he does that by allowing the students to connect and use those labs through mobile technology. I'll let him share more about that in the interview. He cares about his students. He wants to prepare them for the workforce and provide them with top quality training and professional networks to help them transition from school into professional engineering careers. Chao Xu, welcome to Teaching in Higher Ed. I'm glad to be here. I am honored to have you on the show. I'm getting to talk to so many of these award winners from the Cal State University system, and you are just like the rest completely inspiring me. I don't even know where to begin, but I'll try to focus myself as an interviewer. But first off, thank you so much for being here on the show. Thank you for inviting me. Let's start a little bit with how you noticed that you wanted to see some changes happening in your own teaching and how you approach teaching. Before I try to answer your question, first, maybe I provide some background. Yeah. Um, I typically do not uh, take attendance in class. The, the idea behind that is if I force the student to come to a class because of attendance, they might not enjoy it and may not learn a lot from it. And with that background, going back to your question, uh, the first time that I noticed that my students struggle is through the attendance. Mm. And I remember that was my first time teaching a course called Mechanics of Solids. That was in fall 2014. I just started. And the class was full and around 40 students at the beginning of the semester. However, with the semester moving along, the student attendance tend to drop gradually. You started right out with just that was your attendance policy from the very beginning of teaching. Right. Okay. Right. And I was very curious. I see what did I do wrong or, or anything that, that happened during that time. So I asked the students, I talked to them saying, hey, what, what happened there? Could you tell me, explain to me why <laughs> you're not coming to the class anymore, right? 
And from the conversation that I had with the students, the main cause for that was that this course cover a wide range of materials. And it's difficult for them to see the connection between the various concepts and as well as the global picture of the course. Mm. And also because of this large number of topics that being covered in the course, I, I didn't have enough time to, to give example on each of those topics. And with that said, the student just feel lost mm. when those knowledge being accumulated. Another factor for that is the student come with a different prerequisite knowledge. And some knowledge that I assume that is known by everyone, but actually it's not. And with those factors adding up, though, some students starting to, to say, hey, you know, I, I, I'm not going to understand it if I'm not going to class anymore. And yeah. that was the first time I feel, hey, there's something that has to be done in there. And how is that different from your own experience in school? Because I'm thinking that maybe if you were more open about your attendance policy, maybe you just made the assumption of, well, of course, people are going to come. Did you always go to class when you were in school? Was that something always very important to you to get there? Myself, yes. Attending the class is a very important factor to myself yeah. and in my own experience, because I can learn by, by reading a book. But I think there's a lot of knowledge that the faculty would deliver outside the textbooks. And that's something that I would like to learn in there. So typically what I did when I was in school was I first read the textbooks, and then I go to the class to see what else that can I learn. But it seems that there's a different learning style to everyone. So I wouldn't expect everyone would do the same as what I did. So let's talk a little bit then about how you started to make some changes. So you've noticed that the attendance isn't quite there, and a lot of it's coming from, oh, there's so much here, and I'm feeling lost. And almost it sounds like a little bit fatalistic, like whether I go or whether I don't go, I'm not going to be able to get this stuff. So how did you start to make some changes? Right. And and at that time, I was kind of scratching my head saying, hey, what, what can I do? Right. And one thing that come to my mind is why not use the technology that available to the student nowadays? So if you look at the people on the, or the, the young students in the bus or, or on or walking on the road, a lot of them is carrying their cell phone. Right? They, they're kind of doing whatever they're doing without noticing every, everything else around them. So my, the idea that I have with theirs was if they are using, they're so dependent on those devices, in, in addition to using them to, to gain information to play, why not use them for study? So I'm trying to incorporate all those knowledge, all those necessary materials into the mobile platform that for my students. So that is making them more accessible to them, making them more engaged in the classroom. And did you start out right away with something big that you tackled or do you start just trying little, little interventions or little, little experiments to see what worked and what didn't work? I was lucky because I was funded by also the chancellor's office on a course we decide grant at that time. Therefore, I just started with a bunch of strategy that I planned on using the mobile device to deliver. Oh, For example, yeah. to give you some idea. Yeah, um, tell, us, tell us more about that. <laughs> so strategies I planned on that. One is the recorded video videos, which I record those knowledge that I think the students should know. And to help them to, to review the requisite concepts. The second strategies I used was to develop some interactive mobile apps so that the student can use those apps to create a limited number of examples mm -hmm. they can use to practice the knowledge that they learn in class because I never got enough time in classroom to, 
to show them all. And the third thing is the virtual office hours so that they provide students a timely and easily accessible guidance and feedbacks. And the student always complained to me, say, hey, I don't have time to come to your office hours because I have some time conflict and, and something like that. But providing this opportunity that can take those away. What was your main goal in making these changes? Because I know, I know that you really thought about how to measure your success. Right. The main goal is trying to help the student not only in the classroom, but also outside the classroom. We try to provide them all those materials more accessible so that they, for example, if they're taking the bus, they can take the cell phone out, they take, take, take the uh, tablets out, and they can just review the material as they need it. I don't know you, but sometimes when I walk in, I say, oh, I remember my, my professor talking about this, but I really don't remember exactly what is it, right? But I don't have my textbook around me. What can I do? I am cracking up at your example just because it, it was something that came up for me fairly recently. I was asked to give a talk at our faculty gathering, and I really started to just to get this sense that, yeah, I don't really want to be the only one giving this talk. I want to have the student's voice there too. And so I invited some of them to share where the most unique place was that they ever checked our learning management system on their phones because there's a mobile app for it. Mm -hmm. And oh my gosh, I just got the funniest answers. But not only were they funny, but they also were insightful just because I don't think sometimes we realize that, you know, they're talking about we we live near Disneyland. And so they're, oh, I'm in line at Disneyland. and I'm there, <laughs> you know, working on stuff. And I mean, just that you could get inside the head of your students and realize, you know, as you said, you know, they're walking down the street, you know, sometimes not even watching where they're walking. I should include myself in that, too, because I certainly uh, love exactly. having... You, you actually gave, a, I think you gave a perfect example on using the way that the new generation trying to learn for them to learn, right? Yeah. And just to fit their learning style better than textbook is, is, I think that was the time that, that at least I learned. Yeah. But now they kind of change if not dramatically, but gradually. And in this process of redesign, you're trying different things. Which ones really stood out to you as, wow, this is really working? And, and what were the students telling you at that time? In addition to those strategies we just talked about, one thing that really stands out is a mobile remote laboratory that I developed. That is, I'm trying to utilize the advanced mobile technology and internet of things to provide the student an opportunity to conduct performed real physical experiment in the lab through their cell phone and tablet. So they don't need to come to the, the, the school anymore on, on, to do the experiment. They just need to take out their cell phone, their tablet, and they can remotely control the equipment in real time in my lab. And those data is being feedback to their mobile device in real time. This is and really such an incredible thing to me because I it really just stretches my imagination. I have very little background in terms of anything involving STEM, but it's so fun to just hear how things are happening today because it, it did used to be, I mean, it still is in many cases where you really did need to be there to do those labs. And what was that like for your students when you completely freed them? And I'm also curious to what extent you know when people are engaging because if we if, you know if you were leading a lab or having you know a, a ta lead a lab or what have you you see them come into the room so what sorts of indications do you get that people are engaging and i'm sure you probably have if you do get that data it's pretty some wild times sometimes 
Right, right. We performed direct and indirect measurements. Uh, the indirect measurements was to use pre and post survey and trying to evaluate how the students performs on those critical concepts or on those particular course before and after using those mobile learning module. And the response from them, the all the results from that was very promising. And in addition to that, you can see the students actually taking their phone all the time, saying, "Hey, I tried this; it's not working. Let's try it again." And it's funny because the original thought was to ask the student to reserve a 30-minute time slot to do the experiments. But at the end of the day, you can see the student was searched multiple times and trying to do those experiments again and again. And that, to me, is indication on is funny for them to play with and is is kind of engaging to them. What's great about this example is that a lot of times we think that if they're not with us in the classroom or in the lab, in this case, then we're not going to get to see when they need extra help. But what I think so many of us forget is that there are so many times cultural barriers, or even just beyond culture, just developmental barriers that would prevent someone from saying, raising their hand, I'm stuck, I need help. I, back with my very first job out of college, I used to teach computer classes. And then after that, I started training other people how to teach those classes too. And one of the biggest rookie mistakes would be that <laughs> someone would start teaching a class and they're standing at the very front of a computer lab. There's 24 people in the computer classroom with them. The monitors are faced away from them, right? Because they're up at the front. Yeah. So they would say, are y'all with me? Did y'all get that? <laughs> and I'm, you know, I'm the person teaching them and coaching them how to teach. I'm sitting in the back of the classroom. I can clearly see that 20% of the people are totally not with them. But, you know, but that's part of our ego, our sense of, you know, identity. We don't want to say, hey, I'm clueless here, clueless, because it seems like everybody else is caught up, exactly. you know. And, and so what you've done with these mobile labs is you have given them a little bit more of an opportunity to experiment in what sounds like a more playful way or, or, you know, a way that perhaps um, brings out a little bit more of their persistence. I don't, I don't know if this is making sense. It does. It does. Also, in addition to allowing them to, uh, to freely explore those different ideas without being embarrassed, we also provide an opportunity for them to directly talk to the person in the lab. So we have a, something called a mobile remote robot. And that the student can use that to actually drive around the room. They can control the robot. They can see the different experiments from different angles. They can talk to the student in, actually in the laboratory. Also, they can talk to the TA if they have any questions. And that is side by side on the control apps that, that they use to control the equipment. I think I may have seen one of these devices, if it's the same thing you're talking about. We have someone who teaches for us who is paraplegic. And I'm fairly sure the last six months they bought one for him to use and he actually is able to drive around the classroom and engage. Does that sound like the same thing? It's an iPad yes. and it's... Yeah. it's um, exactly. It's yeah. an iPad on a, an, a, on a, a movable robot. That is called a Double. Okay. Uh, it's from Double Robotics. It's a startup company. But that is very fun. And actually, I use that for my virtual office hour as well. Students, if they want to see me, they can actually drive a robot around my office. Oh my and I, it's funny, I, I, intention, I tell them, hey, don't, don't try to hit me using the robot. Right? <laughs> they must love that so much. <laughs> yeah, they do. They do. Well, I want to talk more about your office hours. But before we do, let's actually bring in a couple, two, three of your students 
we've got a video that you shared with us, although obviously it's a podcast and they're not going to see the video, but, but let's, let's have your students share a little bit what this mobile laboratory was like for them. My experience with um, old traditional labs, you would actually have to be inside the lab and do the labs. It's kind of catered to the new age where you're able to use it on a mobile app. What it does is it allows the user to be at the location while not physically being there. Now we're using instruments such as our smartphone or our you know, iPads. You use that every day, but you don't know the capability that it has in terms of learning as well as in terms of how it's implemented in academia. The first step to using this mobile lab is um, you wanted to go ahead and make an appointment time. Um, after that, you need to go ahead and solve a couple modular questions. We had to figure out things like uh, the natural frequency of our buildings and the stiffness and the mass of our buildings. So with these apps, it helped us identify how we would do it um, as well as provide helpful input if we didn't know how to do it. The thing with this lab is that you're not allowed to move on forward if you don't solve these questions, and so it kind of forces you to learn uh, this material. Because it's something familiar, like an app, it makes it more an enjoyable learning experience. I would definitely recommend this lab to other students because it's interactive and it's through a mobile app, so um, something that we're all familiar with is using our phones. Oh, what a great testament to the tremendous changes you were able to make in your teaching. Yeah, I'm very happy with, uh, with the feedback from the students. So I'm curious, before we get to the office hours part, did you see attendance change after putting some of these in place? Because I, I imagine in some cases it would be, wow, I can engage so much even when I'm not there. I did. I did see graduate more attendance to my class. And one thing that I did after that was, hey, Let's try to place with some apps doing the classroom so that I can show them how to create those examples, how to track the answer using the handouts and things like that. So it's closer to, to what they use daily. I think that is a little bit attractive to them as well. Well, and with the videos that you made too, then you're doing more of what would traditionally be thought of as lecture outside the class so that inside the class can be more of this problem solving and helping them to achieve the goals they have in the class too. Right. Yeah, that's that's kind of like a attempt on the flip classroom approach, but this is a flip laboratory approach. Also, you can see that with the material that provide them in ahead of time, they will have more meaningful questions in the classroom, which is driving the whole classroom more more engaged and more active. So tell us about how you have rethought office hours. Okay. So for the office hours, <laughs> at the beginning when I first started. I set up quite a bit of office hours intentionally saying, hey, if you have any question, if I didn't explain it correctly or clearly, come to me, we can talk through it. But after a while, I found there's not so many students actually coming to my office hour, except if you have a quiz or an exam. And they're just lining up in front of my office and say, hey, I have going to have asked this question, that question. I think it might be more beneficial for them to actually asking those questions along the semester instead of just coming to the office hour right before the exam or courses. So I asked them, hey, what prevents you from coming to my office hour? And one most frequently answer that I got was, hey, it's just, just taking them too long to come to the campus just for that office hour. San Francisco State is within the city. It's very hard to find parking. And it's a lot of trouble for them to just come to ask questions if they're not on campus. 
also they're saying, hey, I have some class conflicts on, on this time, I cannot come. That's why I'm saying I, I'm trying to provide a more accessible way for them to, to come to talk to me if they needed to. And how do you have them sign up for a time to meet with you? Or do you have more of an open, unscheduled approach or some combination? Right. I'm using some similar approach as you set up yours is a booking <laughs> system. It's called youcanbookme.com. Yeah. And with that booking, I directly come to my, my calendars. And also, it will send them a link to reserve a time to book the double if they wanted to. Or they can choose if they would like to use a double, if they would like to use a Zoom, or if you'd like to, to call me. So let's talk through those options, because I, I know that, that they're familiar to you. First, let's actually back up a minute. The, the service you can book me, and the one that I use is called Acuity Scheduling, although I actually think you can book me is better for professors to use for a number of reasons I won't go into here, but it's more, <laughs> more it's just better, easier to get set up, I think. And those are game changers. I mean, for anyone listening who does not have the ability for students to be able to sign up that way, it is so much more convenient for them, but also saves you a lot of time. And and it has a lot of built-in automation, like you can customize it to say, send a confirmation message the day before or two hours before or whatever, whatever exactly. you think is most helpful. And I found that it would go from no shows being, I'm guessing maybe 30% years ago to never. I mean, it's just because if they get a reminder and something's come up, then they're going to tell you before you've, you know, gone completely out of your way to meet them. Right. Yeah. I so. agree with you. And also they provide you a link saying, hey, if you would like to reschedule or cancel, just click here, right? So you don't need to call, you don't need to send an email, and that's that's make the, the student's life much easier to do to confirm. And then they make it so easy because you can connect them with your calendar. So if you schedule a dentist appointment, doctor's appointment, and you forget, like a lot of times people have it maybe in their learning management system, which many of them offer that feature there too, but it's not linked to your calendar. Oh, mm-hmm. shoot, I forgot I was going to the dentist that day. I mean, it just it's, it's really time intensive to try to then reschedule. So these link with your calendar, and they automatically won't offer that time that you're going to be at the dentist to the students. It makes a huge difference. Exactly. And I also link the booking system to the mobile apps that, that we have. So that student just click on that tab on the mobile app, they can already book the time with me. And also that was linked to the, the learning management system as well. So the student, if they, they do the course work on, the, on this thing called I learned on our sign, and they can also, if they have any question, they can directly make a reservation with me. So once they've booked with you or they're getting ready to book, you said they have three options. Are you saying that double is one of them? That's what, it's like a body double? Is that the? Uh, the double is the, the robot that we, we just talked about. It's oh. the, the student can just try around that robot and they can see me through the, the camera of the robot. I can see them through the, through the camera as well. And what and are they using on their end of things? Is it on their phones? Yeah, they can use the phone. And so tell me the student who signs up for that versus Zoom. Just I'm curious what the <laughs> what the personality types are for the various options. Right. That I I at the beginning, the more student more students use actually using Zoom. But after some students start using the robot, more and more students trying to re- use the robot because they know that now I can drive the robot, I can try it around. <laughs> and I kind of decorate the robot with the t-shirt and things like that. So it looked like more like a human being. <laughs> and and I, I showed them some picture in the classroom, say, hey, so here is the picture that I'm talking with some of you uh, in, the, in, in my office. <laughs> and 
the rate of, of booking using the, the double is increased dramatically after that. Oh, I'm so curious about this. And I mean, just fascinated by the whole process. And so you're finding a lot of a lot of Zoom, a lot of the, the robot. And then how about in person? Has that changed? They actually the in-person meeting actually dropped dramatically because they just don't need to even walk to the other building to talk to me. They just tap on one apps and he launched that that the, the either Zoom or the double apps and they can directly talk to me during that time. One of the things I want to be sure that we touch on before we get to the recommendation segment is to ask you to share a little bit more. We talked about these videos that you received. Part of your grant was to create these videos. And I'm not sure I asked very good questions because there's a big element of them that I left out of my question asking. And that is to make the materials for the class more accessible, as in specifically more affordable. Could you talk a little bit about those changes too? Yeah, sure. Maybe I can start with the story. Yeah. Um, that that I got, and that was also in fall 2014 when I started first starting t- uh, teaching that mechanics of sonic class that we we were talking about, and I remember there was there was one student he always asked very good question in the classroom, and at one day after the class he came to me and say hey sorry professor I wasn't able to attend your class last time I originally thought that was because hey there's some emergency you know every Everyone has an emergency. That that's fine, but later on, I found that is not that was not the case. He wasn't able to come to the class because his car his car went out of gas, and he didn't have money to fill the tank. And that was the moment that I felt education could be a, a luxury thing to a lot of students, and that's why I started to look into a more affordable option. To provide uh, education to students, and and with that said, um, part of my efforts is I convert all the all the my material into digital format, and then I I put it into my mobile apps, so the student can actually open up the apps. They can have all the material on their phone or tablet anywhere from any time. So, what would a textbook in this particular type of a class had cost before, or did cost for your students prior to this? And then, what do the materials cost now for the class? The textbook was costing two hundred sixty-two dollars per person, and now I converted all in digital format, so now they don't need any textbook anymore. So it's zero for now. One of the things that has been shared in talking about this kind of a radical change in textbooks is that it isn't only when textbooks are expensive that it's a, I'm going to buy it or I'm not going to buy it. But sometimes it's a, yeah, I'm going to buy it, but after my next two paychecks. When Eddie Watson came on the podcast, he talked about some of their research in open educational resources. And one of the things I recall from that episode was just that so many of the students, they'd have to save and save and, and, and get really creative, and maybe they didn't get the textbooks until week three or week four. So even if they did find the money to invest in the textbook, they're already so far behind in the class. And with a solution like you're describing here that you've created, from day one, it's a level playing field. Whether you are a person who is food insecure, whether you're a person who is completely affluent, everyone's starting out the same in your class because money is not the barrier to the learning. Exactly. And also, even after the class, do you have those material as a reference if they would like to refer to later on through their work or through the other higher level of classes they're taking? 
That's wonderful. Well, this is the point in the show where we each get to share some recommendations, and I have just a couple. First off, there was an article in The Chronicle by Sarah Goldrick-Rab and Jesse Stommel. It was entitled, Teaching the Students We Have, Not the Students We Wish We Had. And it was just, in fact, so many of the stories that you have shared today, your student who the car was out of gas and couldn't find the money to fill it up again. It's it's really it was just a good stark reminder. Sarah Goldrick Rabb particularly is so good at giving us those reminders through her work. And it's just a reminder to be real and identify the real concerns that today's students have. And then the second recommendation I have is that Chris Gilliard was on Hybrid Pod, which is the podcast associated with the Digital Pedagogy Lab. And It was a wonderful look at some of the concerns he has around privacy, online surveillance, uh, the Internet of Things, and some of the expansion that is in that kind of technology and how some of us are exposing ourselves to things we may not recognize that we do. And he's just a, it's a great interview. He does wonderful work in this area, as well as in something called digital redlining. Chris Gillard has been on teaching in higher ed previously, and I just love any chance I get to hear him talk and give us these cautions and educate us about it. So I'm going to recommend people listen to that episode of Hybrid Pod. It's called Platforms. And thanks to Chris Friend for another wonderful Hybrid Pod episode. And this is where I get to pass it over to you to make your recommendation. Awesome. I've definitely checked those out. My only recommendation here is an app called Canvas. And nowadays, everything has an app for it. Previously, I don't know if, if you would like to buy a furniture. The thing that you, you typically would like to do is first you go to your room, you measure the dimension, and then you go to the place that's selling the furniture and, and look at the dimension and trying to see if that fits. And after you bind those furniture back home, you put it up, it's like, oops, the color doesn't match. Right. So there's a lot of uncertainty in there. So this, this apps here, the, uh, the Canvas apps, is an app that works with a, a smart sensor called a structural sensor. And it will be able to take the 3D imaging, or 3D scanning of the whole room in seconds. And with that, now you can have the model of the room. You can put your furniture model inside that room using the VR. Now you can see how would that look like before you ever go out and buy it. And I think that's, that's a fantastic technology nowadays that we can do using your mobile phone, using all those apps that are available. It's truly remarkable to me. I keep wondering when I'm going to stop being surprised. We bought one for my son the other day that is similar to this, where it's augmented reality. And instead of helping us place furniture in a room, it actually placed dinosaurs and also a giant, some sort of creature that was really had a lot of spikes on it. My daughter was really not happy. She says, Mommy, I never want you to use that app again. (laughs) It is pretty remarkable what's possible. I'm going to have to check this one out. I have zero space intelligence so things like this are very helpful to me yeah and there are a lot of opportunity opportunity of, of using this kind of technology not only for fun but used in the classroom for our future students and I'm look very much looking forward to what we can do of using this technology in the classroom Chashu, thank you so much for coming on teaching in higher ed and for igniting our imagination in this way you're welcome thank you so much for having me 
Thank you once again to Chao Xu for inspiring us on this episode. I had a hard time coming back to press record because I'm going to the Double Robotics website and looking at their telepresence robot and thinking that there's got to be some reason why we need to have one of these at home, you know. (laughs) I'm sure that my son, who loves all things robots, would have no problem getting on board for that. But, you know, probably I should start by actually using it for, you know, grander, grander things. But anyway, um, thank you so much for igniting our imagination, helping us rethink how we might connect with our students on their mobile devices outside the classroom reducing the cost of their textbooks. I could go on and on, but this has been a great conversation. We really appreciate your time today and congratulations on winning the award for your teaching. Thanks to everyone for listening. We'll see you next time. 